So as you all know, I started a new series last Sunday, and it's called Keep Moving. And this is a, a journey through the book of John. And Jesus said many, many powerful things. Obviously, everything he said, every word, every punctuation from him is powerful, right? But there are certain things that he has said uh, throughout the book of John, throughout all the Gospels that uh, I really want to focus on, John, that there are certain things he said that I think that if we were to take them into our heart, actually meditate on them, actually walk in what he is telling us to do, that we're going to be able to keep moving and keep following him. And I felt like it was very important to have this series now because last month we talked a lot about victory in the stretch, right? We have to stretch our faith. Sometimes that means we have to do something different uh, for God to say, hey, I'm here. I'm stretching my faith. This is what I'm doing because God loves our faith, right? That's when he really does move. And so having that and you all are starting to do that, I've heard a lot of testimonies on that. Um, I, you know, the devil's going to come and attack. Amen? He's going to come and start doing things to try to ruin that stretch. And so what I wanted to do with this series is to encourage you. I feel like that's what God is using me to do um, through this series. And with that, I want to get into the second week. Last week, the main phrase that I wanted you to take away was Jesus saying, follow me. Follow me. Probably the two most important words that's ever come out of, the, out of his mouth uh, besides this next one that I'm going to talk about today. But follow me. Our journey begins by making that decision that, hey, I want to follow Jesus. And it's not a teacher or a rabbi or a good person or a good man that I'm following. No, he is God in the flesh, right? He is the one and only true living God. He is the only one that saves. There is no other name under heaven which man can be saved. And so that decision to follow him is the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life. That you'll ever make in your life. So with that, the next thing that we're going to talk about is that of John chapter 3. And that's what I'm going to focus on this morning. And it's a very key phrase that I think a lot of us as charismatic believers use quite a bit. And Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born again. And there is a lot to that phrase. And I'm going to do the best that I can to try to tackle it as much as possible. Um, so I want you to bear with me. But before we even get into that, what I want you to do is I want you all to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. I'm about to read you something that somebody said. And it's a very powerful uh, passage that I want to read you. And this is what this person said. He said, yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more, for if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. 
I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Everybody, keep your heads bowed. Those words were written by Paul. And it's the message version that I read because to me it's very more, it's more personal and impactful just by the words and how plainly spoken that uh, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation, translated that, that passage. It's out of Romans chapter 7. And the reason why I got your eyes closed and your head bowed, because if those words resonate with you right now, the fact that I'm trying to do everything that God wants me to do with all of my heart and my mind, but I still mess up. That I want to do good, but I, but I sometimes I don't. That I actually do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I want to do. One translation says, I am a wretched man. It's a struggle. If that resonates with you right now, nobody looking around. I just want to see some hands. If that resonates with you right now, oh my Lord. Man, thank you so much for the honesty. You can put your hands down and you can, you can look at me now. That's amazing to me. There, there is something there to be said because as we are trying to keep moving in our walk with Jesus, there is this thing called a struggle. And what I love about it is Paul is very specific on what that struggle is. Mentally, I'm there. I want to do good for Jesus. My heart, I really want to do good for Jesus. But then there's this thing called the flesh, and it rears its ugly head every time I want to do something good for Jesus. Every time I make the decision that I want to follow him. Every time I want to make the decision to stretch my faith and do something different. Every time I think I want to go and engage somebody to, to tell them about Jesus. Every time I want to go and pray for somebody I know that I should be praying for. There's the flesh. And what we're dealing with as a church, and I believe this is why God is implementing revival, I think what we're dealing with as a church is this idea that even though I'm saved, even though I'm following Jesus with everything I have, I'm going through this struggle. And because I'm going through that struggle, as Paul describes, where my new creation, the inner man that Jesus changed when I received him as my Lord and Savior, and I'm now in Christ, that new creation is being silenced by my flesh. And because I keep struggling, I keep struggling, guess what? The devil is putting us in a corner and saying, you shut up and you stay there. You're not seen, you're not heard, because you keep struggling with this thing called sin between your new creation and your old created self. And you're struggling, 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 and God is not going to use you. There's no way you're going to advance in your walk with Jesus. It's going to be that same way right now as it will be for the entire time that you're on this earth until you go to heaven. So you just might as well shut up, sit down, and stay in the corner. And what I'm here to tell you today, folks, is we got to get up and we got to get moving. This struggle, everybody deals with it. Paul dealt with it. Paul is the reason that God used Paul to write two-thirds of the New Testament. God used Paul to spread the gospel throughout the world, not just in, in Israel, but in Asia, in Europe, and here we are 2,000 years later having church service because Paul spread the gospel. He is somebody that obviously we revere. He is not Jesus. He is not God, but we hold him kind of up on a pedestal, Amen. And if he's going through something like this and struggling and struggling as he's trying to follow Jesus, as he's trying to do the work that God has given him, then guess what? We are going to struggle as well. 
I am going to have struggles as well. So I started to think about this a little bit. And how many of you were here for the encounter conference a couple weeks ago? How many were here on Friday night when Pastor Dave talked about repentance? Right? He talked about repentance and he had every one of us write down the sins that we were struggling with. And then we were supposed to give them to Jesus, repent, turn away from them, and then come up here. And a symbol of that repentance was to shred them in the shredder, right? And we did that. Well, guess what? There's a couple things on my list I've already done. How many of you can be honest? You still repented and you shredded it. You walked away. Hey, I'm delivered from this. Yes. And guess what? It rears its ugly head again. And the devil's like, ha ha, how about that? You think you repented? You think you're turned away from it? Look, you're still struggling with it. Go sit back in the corner. And I say no to that. So we have, we have this thing that I think as believers that we, we tend to follow, this little system in our minds. I think Pastor Dave pointed it out. I think it's perfect. We have remorse right? We do it, and there's that conviction. Oh, my goodness. You feel that remorse. And what that is is that, that's, that struggle between the new creation and your old self. There's that remorse. You feel it, right? And then we decide, hey, I'm going to go ahead and repent. Man, God, here it is. Man, I mourn my sin. I don't ever want to do this again. Here you go. I repent. I turn away from it. We first John 1, 9 it all day, right? If I confess my sins, he is faithful and just. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of what? All unrighteousness. So we do that and then we keep moving, right? And then it comes back. So I have remorse. I believe I have turned away from it. And then the flesh, man, it gets the best of me sometimes, right? And so that's what I want to address. And where we're going to start today is when Jesus said, you must be born again. That is the answer to all of this. You must be born again. And I really had a hard time because I got to this chapter, I knew I was going to get here and I was going to preach this today, and I know as I'm looking across from right to left, the majority of you that are sitting in these chairs are born again. At least I believe you are. So how is this going to apply to the majority of those of you that are sitting in here today? Well, I believe we're all struggling. I see a lot of hands that went up. So this is going to apply to the struggle for the majority of us. And then some of you, you're going to have an opportunity this morning that you've never, ever received Jesus. You will be born again, and you will know the reason why. You also know what this means, because it's a very powerful phrase, but it's something that even Nicodemus, as we're going to find out here in a minute, had no idea what Jesus was talking about. So you're in good company. So let's that. Let's pray. With that, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much for everybody that's in here. Father, I just thank you that for the honesty in here as well, and the transparency, Father. I just thank you that we can all admit, as we're trying to do the best we can to follow you and your purpose for our life, to follow your son Jesus with everything we have, heart and mind and soul, that we understand that there is a struggle. And we understand it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can overcome that struggle and keep moving. And so, Father, I just thank you that today, let this be a time of, of freedom, a time of deliverance, a time of not sitting in the corner anymore, but moving forward and telling the devil what he can do with himself. And Father, I just thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to show you some pictures, and this is a, a progression of my life. And you can see some of these pictures going from infancy almost through up to the present day. And what you'll see here is most of us, I think, can can relate 
to some of this, right? These are some of the highlight reels of, of my life, but what you see here is obviously I'm getting older. Obviously, um, there is this transition from birth to the, to the day where I'm at right now, where I'm almost near 50, okay? I'm gonna turn half a century this year. Uh, I can't believe, I look pretty darn good for 50, don't I? Yeah. Uh, I think humility is something I need to work on a little bit. <laughs> but the point being is, if you saw some of those pictures, and I think all of us can relate, we're getting older. The outward appearance is starting to fade. Um, you're starting to see kind of our, our transition from being single to being, some of us being married, having children. You know, it's your social status, your work status. Even you saw some of my, my different jobs. I did military sales. Now I'm a pastor. Man, the outward appearance changes as we move through our life in so many different ways. And unfortunately, that's how even, I think, us in the church judge how people are doing, right? That's how the world judges how we are doing in our life, by looking at the outward. And I'm going to tell you today, God doesn't care about the outward. Amen. All right? Now, listen to me. i got to qualify that statement. The change that needs to happen is not me getting older and wiser. We kind of put that, that stigma that if we're old and gray, they're more wise. And so, you know, we just kind of give them a little bit more better status than we would a young person, uh, even though God is moving through young people right now in revival, okay? Even though the youth of today are ready for more, amen? Even though I believe God is using the young people to lead us into whatever he has for us in this next season that's coming, um, the point being is we put a whole lot of judgment on how people look and what they're driving, what they're wearing, what their work status is, what their marriage is like, how many children they have. It's this whole thing about the outward appearance and how it looks. And some of us are pretty darn good at walking into church and wearing that mask and kind of walking in it, right? Well, look at me, you know, I look good. Look at my family, they're beautiful. Look at, you know, what I do, all this good stuff. And what God is saying is that's not important. What's important is what is happened in here. That's what's important. And that's why I had you all raise your hand is because you're being honest and saying, I may look good and look, a lot of you that raised your hand are darn good looking, okay? I may, I may look good, but man, there's this struggle that's going on in me. And so there's something there. We need to fix that. I want to give you a perspective on that. And as I'm going into this, I want you to understand that I am not saying that sin is okay. All right, I want to make sure we're clear on that. I'm not preaching another gospel that's saying, it's okay if you still sin, go ahead and do that. It's going to be all right. That is not what I'm trying to say today. What I'm saying today is I want to address the condemnation that the enemy is putting on you to stifle your walk. Okay, as we're talking about sin and we're talking about our past, we're talking about maybe some traumatic things that have happened to us that are trying to define who we are today. What I want you to understand is that does not define you now. And so we cannot allow that to stop us from our walk and moving forward and keep moving with Jesus. We just can't allow that to happen anymore. And so there's going to be a starting point today on how we address that. That may mean that you may, may be some accountability that you need. You may need to have an accountability person. We've talked about that, our social network, right? We need to have people that are going to hold us accountable if there's something that we're struggling with. Maybe you might mean you might need to go get some therapy, and you know I'm a proponent of that because I am in therapy myself. And so therapy is okay if you need to talk some things out to help with that emotional healing that maybe you're struggling with from your past. 
that there may be some additional steps that you're going to have to take to make sure this thing that tries to rear its ugly head in your life as you're moving forward needs to be dealt with. But today we're going to have a starting point with that. We're going to have a starting point with that. And so what I want to do is I want to get into John chapter 3 if you want to turn there in your Bibles or on your devices. We're going to go through the first 25 verses. It may seem like it's a lot, but I promise you it'll go by pretty quickly. Everybody say with me, the struggle is real. It is. It's real. Man, I, I don't like it. But there's something that God is teaching me and some of the things that I do struggle with. Like I, I'm going to admit, admit to you, and <laughs> I've said this before, one of the things I wrote down on my list during the conference was not necessarily road rage, but just being upset at people when I'm driving, right? Because there, there, there's, some, there's some things underneath that. There's a root to that that I'm, I'm still learning. And, and just the other day, <laughs> I, le I left the office, and I hit the, the, the school zone, and it's at 25, and so I'm being a, the good guy on the road. I'm doing 25, you know, 24, just to make sure I stay there at 25. And, and the person behind me was practically in my back seat. Like, I couldn't even see her headlights or her trunk. All I saw was her. And it's like she was sitting in my back seat, and I had, I had some thoughts, and I even said something that I probably shouldn't have said. Man, the struggle is real. It just is. But Jesus said, you must be born again. Amen, Tom, whatever you said, I know. <laughs> Jesus said, you must be born again. And so in John chapter 3, verse 1, this is where we pick up. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, or Nico as I like to call him, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. This is what I want to point out is Nicodemus, this Pharisee, he is from all outward appearance, good man. Good, religious man, grounded in God's word, knows God's word, God's word like the back of his hand. Uh, this guy is a good, religious, devout person, but he is destined for hell. He is destined for hell. And the crazy thing is, is that he tries to equate Jesus with him by saying, Rabbi, you are a good man, a good teacher who obviously does these awesome things, which means God is with you. And he's trying to bring Jesus down to his level. Well, we all know that Jesus is God in the flesh. God is not just with him. He's God in the flesh. He is not just a good teacher who does good things for people that are around him. He is God in the flesh. And so what I want to say to you at the very first point, if you're taking notes is that being a good religious person does not save you. Can I get an amen? Like, I was a good religious person when I was a Catholic kid. I was good. I was an altar boy. I did all the sacraments, took communion, reconciliation, confirmation, did all the good little things when I was a good Catholic boy. That did not save me. So if you're in here today and you're like, I'm a good religious person, and I, I believe I'm going to go to heaven because my good outweighs my bad, and I, hopefully it will be that way when I die. Well, the answer is, yeah, you're, you're, that's not what saves you. That's not what saves you. And so Jesus was going to take this man, Nicodemus, who came to him in the middle of the night. And listen, there's some theories as to why he came in the middle of the night. I think 
Primarily, people think he came in the middle of the night to avoid uh, conflict with his fellow Pharisees. Didn't want them to know that he was meeting with Jesus, who obviously was very controversial during that time, still controversial today. Um, But primarily, I think the reason why he came is he wanted some one-on-one, personal, uninterrupted time with Jesus. And as we know, Jesus did not have a whole lot of downtime, did he, during his three years of ministry. And so I think that's part of the reason. So he's, he's, he's trying everything he can to understand who he is and understand the truth. And Nicodemus looks great on the outside, but like I said, he is rotten on the inside and he is destined for hell. Like a tomb. Tombs look good. I actually, there's, there's a place that I visited a couple of times, and, and listen, I want you to understand that I, I'm not for the Confederacy, I'm not waving a Confederate flag, I just want you to know, I went to a school called VMI in the South, that school produced officers for the Confederacy, and in the town of Lexington where this school was at, there are very prominent Confederate people that are buried, and so there's one tomb that was real close to our post, uh, Lee Chapel, and it was Robert E. Lee's tomb. And so from a historical perspective, I went and visited that tomb just to see what it was like. And, and the sarcophagus was absolutely amazing. It was a carved marble, marble depiction of Robert E. Lee when he died. So it's him laying in bed. It's almost like he's there. But underneath, even though it's so beautiful, inside it's rot. Ugh, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's a dead body inside. It's not alive. It may look good on the outside, but dead on the inside. And that's way, the way some people that are good religious people, that's exactly what they are. They're dead on the inside. So Jesus continues in verse 3. He says, he answered him, says, truly, truly, whenever you see truly, truly, that means you pay attention. I say to you, unless one is what? Born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. This is the answer for the struggle of sin. This is why we need to be born again. Because if we're not born again, then there's no way we're going to see the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. We're just not. Now, the kingdom of God is, we, we have the kingdom of God now. He's there. He's out. We can't see him right now. But his kingdom is definitely out there, right? May we pray things like, on earth as it is in heaven, his kingdom is alive and well, even though we can't see it. Which means... It's not just for when we die, but his kingdom is also for us right now. Like when we were born again, that eternal life, now we can tap into God's kingdom because we're his light bearers. We're representatives of Jesus in this world because Jesus physically is not here right now. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. And so the kingdom of God is not just contained out there and when we die and go to heaven, there we are. It's here with us now. He lives inside of us now. We open our mouth and give encouraging words and pray for people. We lay hands on the sick. His kingdom moves through us now. So that's part of the reason why we need to be born again. Because if you're not, here's point number two. You're not going to see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. He continues in verse four. uh, Actually, Nicodemus said, Nicodemus said to him, how? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, the answer to that obviously is big fat no. (laughs) But see, I almost picture him kind of questioning this, what does that born again thing mean? 
and it's almost like he's sarcastically, kind of with a hint, hint, hint of sarcasm, asking him, how can that be? Like, can I go and be born again by being put back in my mom's womb? Um, I think that, that's a funny thing. So Jesus is very patient. He's very patient and responds. And I think we can take this right here and we can learn from this as believers today, right? Because there are people that have questions about our faith. There are people that have questions about God. There are people, hey, newsflash, there are people that don't know as much as you do. They're believers, they're in church, and they're looking for answers. And Jesus, if he's patient with an unbeliever, a religious Pharisee, that means we need to be patient with people as well. That means even the ones that are very vitriolic and very loud and proud of their unbelief, we still need to be patient with them and point them in the right direction and look at them with love and say, you must be born again. So how? Nicodemus says, how is this possible? And Jesus answered, and this is, he said, truly, truly again. It's like, dude, wake up and listen, man, because I'm speaking. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That water and spirit is very important. Water means when I receive Jesus, I'm cleansed, right? My sin is washed away by his blood, by his sacrifice on the cross, right? And then of spirit. So as soon as I give my life to Jesus and I make the decision to believe and trust in him and I start to follow him, here comes the Holy Spirit, right? I am now born of the spirit. My inner man is changed forever and now I am a living, walking temple of the Holy Spirit. Water and spirit, that's so important. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. In other words, dude, don't marvel at this, like in a way that you're like scratching your head. I've just explained it to you. This whole thing, this whole idea of which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. There's your struggle. That's the reason why you all raised your hand today, right? That flesh, that dirt suit that we're carrying around is wrestling with the spirit, the new spirit man that's in us because of our faith in Jesus when we got saved and we're born again. There is that struggle. He's almost referring to it there. You must be born again. He said it twice. This is the second time we're seeing that phrase. Again, it's listen to me. And you must be born again. He goes on in verse 8, and I love this because Jesus is trying to naturally explain this to somebody who's still trying to figure it out. He said, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. Boy, that sounds like Oklahoma, right? (laughs) I'm not going to segue, I'm not. But the wind blows as it wishes. We don't know where it comes from. We, ain't, we don't know where it goes. It's just like the Holy Spirit. We know he comes from God, but we can't see him coming, just like the wind, right? And we know he goes and he does things, and we can't see him go. But he's trying to use a natural thing to describe something that is supernatural. And he says, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And this really triggers me because I start thinking about uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, and a lot of us probably have read that chapter where dry bones are brought back to life, right? The Holy Spirit is breathed out by God over these dry bones, and all of a sudden they're brought back to life. That's exactly what being born again is like. The moment that you make that decision in your heart and in your head 
that I need to follow Jesus. I believe in him. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. I turn away from my sin. That old self no longer defines me. Here comes the Holy Spirit bringing these dry bones back to life. Because one day it's not just my spirit man that's going to be in heaven for all eternity. It's also my resurrected body. The dry bones are going to come back to life. And so I absolutely love this. He continues in verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? He's still asking. And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Here we go again. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Man, this our thing, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You do not receive our testimony. What God the Father has said, what I'm saying as a son, what the Holy Spirit has said throughout the ages, what you've seen written, what you got in your scrolls stored in your room, wherever they are. Man, all the things that you have studied from the day you could understand the language to now as a Pharisee, a ruler of the Pharisees. Look, everything that you've been studying your entire life, boom, here it is. I'm standing right in front of you. Do you not see it? Hello? If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe it if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. You know what Jesus is teaching Nicodemus here is faith. It's simple. It's faith. But, dude, look, everything that you see that's created, that's physical, points to me, points to God. Everything you're seeing. So if you can't understand the natural and when I'm explaining the natural things to you, then how can you understand the supernatural? How can you understand my kingdom? How can you understand that I am God in the flesh? I am the son of God. He's trying to teach him faith. So the third thing that I want you to write down, if you're taking notes, and hopefully you are, is faith determines whether or not we are born again. Faith is something we cannot see. Amen? Now, we can see it act out. There are things that we do by faith, and you can see faith exhibited. But when it comes to being born again and receiving Jesus, faith is what is required for salvation and to be born again. Faith in who? So Jesus goes on to explain in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... So must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have, what? Eternal life. Man, that's awesome, isn't it? Dude, the moment that I'm born again, in other words, I put my faith in Jesus, then bam, my life, my, my inner man, everything about me is stamped for eternity. That's awesome. Like, if I can remember that and think about that and meditate on that and just thank Jesus for that, then when that struggle comes and the devil says, see, you're sinning, see, you're struggling, go sit in the corner. Well, guess what? That's not going to have any power over me anymore, right? And I'm going to be able to keep moving and following Jesus. That's, that's so important to understand. I now have eternal life. And it's not just for when I die and go to heaven. It's for right now. Like he's given me the power to get up and keep moving. And I feel like there's some of us like, if, how many of you ever seen that movie, Saving Private Ryan? Man, I love that movie, right? And, and I know it's very violent. 
but it's a good depiction of what these soldiers went through when they invaded on D-Day and how they get on the beach and they're just cut down by enemy machine gun fire, right? And mines and artillery, and they're just so scared, they're paralyzed, they can't move. But see, here's the thing is, when they stay on that area and they stay on the beach and they're in the line of sight of the enemy, if they were to stay there, they're gonna die. And so all of the commanders, all the officers are like, get up and get off the beach. Because if you stay there pinned down, you're going to die. That is the message for us today. If you don't realize that you're born again, if you don't bring that to your conscience memory of when Jesus saved you and you became born again, and you understand that you have eternal life, it's not just for when you die, but it's for right now, that should inspire you to get off the beach and keep moving. Because as we're seeing, revival is beginning to start. I think it's all... It was all happening to begin with. I need to think we just needed some young people to surrender to Jesus. And now we're seeing it, okay? So this is very crucial at this time to get this in our hearts. Because I'm telling you, for those of you that didn't look up and open your eyes when I had everybody raise your hand, pretty much everybody in here is struggling. We're all in this together, and the devil wants to look at you and say, you're the only one. And that's not true. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. We're in this together. And there's something about that scene in Saving Private Ryan. They all came together and they rushed where they needed to go. It's something that we need to understand that we're all in this together. Yes, we're all going through some of the same struggles, but the devil wants to lie to you and say, you're the only one. And that's not the case. And we need to make a stand now. We want to see revival here. We got to stand now. We cannot allow the enemy to silence us and to put us in a corner. Can I get an amen? So what is, and I'll try to get into what Jesus was referring to here. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So what he did is he put a serpent up on a, on a pole and lifted it up. This is out of Numbers chapter 21, where the Israelites in the wilderness were being attacked by serpents because they, were, they sinned against God and God was sending these serpents to kill them off. And when they got bit, they would, they would die. Well, God saved them also if Moses would put a serpent up on a pole and everybody would look at it, then they would be saved. So he's equating that salvation to the salvation that ultimately is the salvation, and that is Jesus being high and lifted up on a cross. That as we look to him, the author and finisher of our faith, the author of our salvation, and we place our faith in what he did for us on the cross, salvation. You're born again. He's bringing it basically to Nicodemus in terms that Nicodemus would understand. So that's why. He is high and lifted up. And then he explains who we need to have faith in. And he said this in John verse, uh, 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's that eternal life thing again. Amen. The Son. God sent his Son, whoever believes in him. I love that whoever that means whoever hears and believes can be saved, can be born again. No, 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 you don't understand, Pastor Jeff. You don't understand what I've done. Guess what? We just had all these hands raised up for struggles. Okay? You have no idea what people have done. You have no idea what people, the sin people have committed. But Jesus still died for you regardless of what you've done. See, I just got through saying that religious, religious works and attitude does not have a bearing on your salvation. So why do we make that 
a prerequisite for me receiving Jesus. I'm just saying, right? Yeah. Don't matter what you've done. He went to the cross for it. It's a matter of saying, I see Jesus high and lifted up. And I just decide right now that I'm going to follow him and I believe in him. I'm going to receive him. I'm going to turn away from my sin. And guess what? No matter what you've done, he cleanses you and you have eternal life. Love is the reason. God loves every one of us, no matter what we've done. We're in this age of grace. But praise God, I believe Jesus is coming back soon. Can't tell you when. I'm not trying to predict it. But he's coming back soon. We see the world going that direction. We know in our heart of hearts we're heading that direction. Don't let it be too late. His grace is here now. And if you are not born again, you're going to have an opportunity this morning to receive him and be born again. He goes on in verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to what? Condemn it. Wow, I love that. Condemnation. That's exactly what you're feeling when the devil puts you in the corner as you're struggling through some stuff. He's condemning you. Condemn, 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 condemn. Well, if Jesus was sent in this world not to condemn us, then why do you feel condemned for those of you that are in Christ? Why? Why do we listen to that? You're worthless. You're not going to amount to anything. Because look at what you've done. You're not going to advance in your walk with Jesus. What you're, what you're experiencing now is all that you're going to experience. This revival thing that you're looking for, never going to happen. Because look what you did. It's condemnation. Condemnation. You're a pastor and you judge people because they cut you off on the highway. I, guys, it's like, it's like I don't understand why things have power over us that are not of God. And we allow it to happen. Condemnation needs to go take a hike. Because for those of us who are in Christ, there is what? No condemnation. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God, that is Jesus. I know I hear a lot of amens and a lot of glory, Jesus, and all that. Listen, we're guilty of condemnation. As much as the devil gives it to us, we as believers, we dole it out very, very generously, don't we? And it's very easy to do that because the person that is struggling in their sin, sometimes I believe highlights our sin that we're struggling with, and we don't like that, and so we condemn, 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 so the focus is on them and not on us. But then also, there's just that, I'm better than they are. See, that's the attitude that I'm trying to get rid of. That's the attitude that I'm working on with me, too, believe it or not. Like, I want to look at people the way that Jesus looks at people. I don't want to look at them and see what they're doing and condemn them, because that's not what God is doing. No, I saved them. I mean, I, they have the ability, just as much as you do, to receive salvation, to be born again. So why are you judging and condemning them? So this whole condemnation. So the fourth thing, if you're taking notes, born again means you've been saved by faith in Jesus. 
Simple as that. We overcomplicate it. There are many denominations that are out there that says you got to do X, Y, and Z to be saved. No, I remember the day that I got saved. I remember when faith came here, I raised my hand, bam. At that very moment, I went from death to life. At that very moment, my old self went over there and the new self came on, that new creation in Christ. At that very moment, God had a purpose and a plan for me from that day forward to follow Jesus. And Lord knows I had no plan to be where I'm at today, pastor of this church. But here I am. Like it or not, here I am. He continues in verse 19. He says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. That's Jesus. And people love the darkness rather than the light. It's not explain our day today, right? The world that we live in, that people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. He's explaining the way that I look at this, kind of two different situations. Number one, if you're not born again, basically you're, you're siding yourself with the darkness, with the evil in this world, with the sin in this world. And what you ultimately want to do is receive Jesus, and now you're stepping into the light. And now, as Jesus says, the life of men, this is out of John chapter 1, the life of men is the light that I've placed in them. You come from darkness, you step in the light the moment that you receive Jesus and turn away from your sin. When that happens, now when God shines his light on you, what he sees is Jesus. He sees life and not condemned to death. That's where you want to be. But then there's also this second part where he talks about how these works, like when, when the light shines on us and I've received Jesus, I now am seen by God as born again. Well, then the world, when it shines itself on us, should see the light of God in us. Amen. The world should see us actually living what we believe. And see, that's the thing that I want to impart on you today. Are you living it? Or has the devil put you in a corner? I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being in the corner. There are times I know I got a platform. I know I have people watching online. I know I'm about to ready to go to another country. I'm about to preach the gospel over there. But there are times I feel like the devil's got me in the corner. And I don't know about you, I'm tired of being in the stinking corner. I'm tired of it, man. I'm not going to let things define me anymore that are not of God. What defines me is what he says about me. What defines me is what he's done in me, what he's done for me, what he has for me. And see, that's why I'm able to keep moving because I know there's so much more things that are better than what I'm going and experiencing now. There are people that need to be reached that only I'm going to be able to reach. And I'm not just saying that to be all, look at me. No, every one of you is the same way. There are people that only you are going to be able to reach because you're in community with them. And that light needs to come out of us, amen? That's why Jesus said, don't put a basket on it. Well, if you look at a basket, a light under a basket, you're going to still see that light. But what he's saying is take that whole thing off and let it fully shine to those that are around you. Church, it means we need to live what we believe. It also means 
We need to get out of this thinking corner. The struggle is real. I admit it. We all admitted it today, but we need to keep moving. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. If you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. So Paul, the same one who wrote that I want to do the good things, but I don't. I don't want to do the bad things, but I do. I am a wretched man because of it. He writes this in Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let also us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He's addressing that struggle again, that sin that flesh nature that's been crucified with Christ clings to us so closely. It's that struggle. It's, it's, it's enough, I think, to make us want to quit. What he's saying here is, no, 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 no. We've got to run that race with endurance, right? Amen. How many of you have ever run a marathon before? And I know there's several of you in here. Yep, I know you did, Mark. I definitely know you did. See, when you run a marathon, you can't just burn out sprinting in the first couple of miles. And I've tried that. <laughs> I've tried that. <laughs> and then you just, you'll just crash and burn. You got to run that race with endurance. You got to keep moving. You can't stop, but you can regulate your speed. And see that sin that, that, that's, that's hanging on to us, that old nature that tries to keep coming back the trauma that you've experienced in your past, the things maybe you're going through presently is trying to make you stop that race. And the only way that you're able to run that race with endurance is recognizing that struggle. See, take the emotion out of it for a minute, right? Because I think that remorse is there when we sin and we struggle with our flesh. You gotta take the emotion out of it for a minute and look at it with a clear mind. Say, so, wait a minute. Now, I remember the day that I received Jesus. I remember the day that I went from, life, uh, from death to life. I remember the day that I was born again. That's not who I am anymore. This, this that's happening, this is, not, this is not really who I am now. So why is it that I'm still struggling with this? It's like there has to be that acknowledgement. The Bible says to mourn our sin. That's the remorse. Yes, amen to that. And then we need to do 1 John 1, 9 it, right? Say, look, Lord, here it is. I know I messed up. I don't want to do it ever again. And I, I turn away from it. But as I just admitted to you, sometimes we move forward with best intentions and it comes back. And at that moment, in order to keep running the race with endurance, as Paul says, in order to shove off that thing that clings so closely to me, I need to acknowledge it and say, wait a minute. I know what this is. And devil, no. Not today. Not going to accept this. Oh, but you just messed up again. Yep, that's okay. I know I did, and I don't want to ever do it again, and I don't ever want to dishonor what Jesus has done for me. But that's not, this is not who I am anymore. No, God has defined me as a new creation, and you're not going to pigeonhole me in this struggle any longer. There is remorse, there's repentance, 
And then there's rejection. Some of us need to stand up and reject that old self that tries to keep rearing its ugly head. Some of us need to reject what the devil is saying about us and accept what Jesus says about us. And that rejection turns into resolution. And I think some of us are right there. But the problem is for so long, because how many of you know, the longer you're listening to something, the harder it is to get out of it. For so long, we've been listening to the lies of the enemy to tell us to stay in the corner and shut up. And I am not going to allow that any longer. I want everybody to please stand. I want everybody to please stand. The struggle is real. The big point today is in order for us to keep moving, we must acknowledge the struggle and daily remind ourselves that we are born again. We are to be born again by receiving Jesus and placing our faith in him and turning away from our sin. And at that moment, we're saved. And I'm gonna talk about eternal security in a few weeks. But then there's that idea that we need to be born again. In other words, we need to act like it. And I'm not saying we put on a front, but what I'm saying is we need to actually be born again. We need that light to come out of us and to shine to the people around us. Does that make sense? We can't allow the enemy to hold us back any longer. So every head bowed. I'm just going to pray this prayer, and I want you to pray with me. Lord, I no longer identify with the things from my past because I'm born again. What you've done in my inward man will become visible outwardly so people will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When you are silenced because of something that you've done that no longer defines you, this is something that you need to say. This is something that's going to help you to keep moving. Again, this is not, I'm not saying we excuse the sin and we just kind of brush it under the rug. That's not what I'm saying. This is a starting point for a lot of us. You may need some accountability. You may need some additional help to truly overcome this. And obviously, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to, amen? But this is where it's at. What I'm saying is your step forward is listening to what Jesus said that you must be born again. And if you are, praise God for it, then it start, it's time to get out of that corner and start moving forward. And this might be a way that you can help you daily acknowledge that you're born again. Daily acknowledge to the enemy that you're not going to have any power on me. And daily acknowledge that Jesus is going to help you walk the walk and talk the talk so that his light comes through you to other people.